Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Buffalo Shots Podcast. Hello again and welcome to another Horror Shots podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by the lovely people over at morbidlybeautiful.com. If you're a horror junkie and you love everything to do with horror and pop culture, horror in media, or horror in general, it's a place to go. Morbidlybeautiful.com has everything you need in terms of entertainment value from reviews to top 10 lists to interviews and everything in between. I know in a couple of days that they will be releasing a collaborative review of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I know that because I'm going to be part of it. I did go see the movie last night, and you can read my thoughts on it in that post when it goes up. Just always be on that site, click and refresh. There's always going to be something new popping up every hour of every day, or so it seems. Just so much contact, so many great writers, and it has one of the best editors-in-chiefs I have ever had the pleasure of being associated with. So with that said, before we get onto the cast, I do want to mention the contest, or sweepstakes, or whatever you want to call it, that I mentioned last week. Now, you have until the end of September, so the very last podcast in September, whatever Friday that happens to fall on, to write a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whichever one you use. They both show up to the same place. So if you do that, you will be entered into a draw to win something. Something of your choosing, that is. So it be it a shirt or a photography print... One or the other. You can have your choice, and I will send it to you via mail. Really the only way to get things from where I am to where you are, unless you live down the street, but I don't think that's the case. So if you do leave a review, please email me so I can get a hold of you should you actually win. So you can email me at horrorshotspodcast at gmail.com. If you do this, I'll have more of an opportunity to talk to you and get your information to actually send you the prize. Now, it doesn't matter if you win or not, I'm going to need you to email me just so I can get a hold of you. But if you don't, that's okay too. I will read out the winner on the podcast, and we will just take it from there. Just contact me after I announce it. That's all. Now, we did have our first entry into the lot this past week with a lovely review from Stephanie or Stefani Gurr. And this was via Apple Podcasts. She gave it a five star, so thank you for that. And she wrote, every episode is great. Always interesting. Never miss one. Short and sweet. I love it. Thank you very much for the very kind review. So you are our first entry into the draw. Should you win, be sure to contact me. Or just contact me either way. I'm always happy to chat with people who are interested in the podcast. Made some pretty good friends that way so far, and I like it. I love hearing from you. But on to the podcast itself today. Last week we touched on dragons. It's very interesting, and I only was able to scratch the surface of what dragons are and their origins and everything to do with their culture. So today I want to go into a little bit more detail and talk about some more detailed portions of what the dragon represents to various parts of the world. So we're going to start in Europe, specifically England, even more specifically St. George and the dragon. Now, before we get into that itself, who was St. George? Well, St. George was a saint. 
He was one of the more popular saints in Europe around his time, and he became the patron saint of England, as well as some other European countries. Now, in his account of the dragon slaying, it goes more or less as such. In the account of the Legenda Aurea, St. George is said to have passed by a city called Selene, which is in the province of Libya. Beside the city was a pond, and in this pond lived a dragon, which envenomed all the country. The people of the city decided to feed the beast with two sheep each day so that it would not harm them. When the dragon's appetite was not satiated, the people of the city began sacrificing humans to it. There's a nice little quote here. There was an ordinance made in the town that there should be taken the children and young people of them of the town by lot, and every each one as it fell, were he gentle or poor, should be delivered when the lot fell on him or her. Now that is essentially the worst lottery in the history of the world. Kind of like the Hunger Games. You get drawn the wrong name, the wrong number, you are sentenced to death. Just for playing. Sorry, no quick millions here. Just eaten by a dragon. One day, the lot fell on the king's daughter, who was prepared to be offered to the dragon. It was during this time that St. George happened to pass by the city and saw the princess. When he inquired as to what was going on, St. George was told about the dragon, and he decided to slay the beast. The battle with the dragon, as described by de Varangi, is as follows. Thus, as they spake together, the dragon appeared and came running to them, and St. George was upon his horse, and drew out his sword, and garnished him with the sign of the cross, and rode hardly against the dragon, which came towards him, and smote him with his spear, and hurt him sore, and threw him to the ground. And after said to the maid, Deliver to me your girdle, and bind it about the neck of the dragon, and be not afraid. When she had done so, the dragon followed her, as it had been a meek beast and debonair. St. George brought the dragon to Selene, converted the king and his people to the Christian faith, and then slayed the dragon in front of everybody for all to see. It's a fun little story, not a whole lot of detail. I'm sure if I went into the actual resources, I could find a lot more. But that was more of a propaganda story, we could call it, to help convert people to Christianity back in the early days of the faith. They were looking for numbers, and what better way to say, hey, we have a hero, this badass guy who just slayed a dragon. He converted all those people to join him in his faith. It must be a good faith. Let's get in there. It's kind of what that story's all about. Now, what about the other culture in the world that really celebrates dragons and really puts them at the forefront of their culture and folklore? Well, that would have to be the Chinese dragon, would not. Well, the Chinese dragon is substantially different from the European one, where European dragons are often seen as malefic beings that breathe fire and destroy cities and towns. Chinese dragons have a positive connotation. In Eastern Asia, the dragon has various aspects, being at once an aquatic as well as terrestrial animal, and being both subterranean and heavenly. In addition to this, the dragon is associated with various qualities and virtues. It represents the active and creator principle, holding both divine power and spiritual force. Either way, a celestial symbol and as a power of life and manifestation, the dragon spits out the primordial waters of the egg and the universe, thus transforming it into an image of the creator. 
Therefore, the dragon is like a cloud forming above men while pouring its fertilizing waters. In addition to this, the dragon represents the Kian principle, the origin of the heaven and bringer of rain, whose six characteristics are six dragons. In the Yijing, it is said that the blood of the dragon is black and yellow. These are also the primordial colors of heaven and earth. The six lines of the Qian hexagram present, in traditional manner, the six phases of manifestation. They start from the potential hidden dragon, who is inactive and unmanifested, up into the floating dragon, who is realized, the return to the origins, and passing through the dragon of the plane who is visible, who jumps, and who flies. Now there are some supernatural virtues to the dragon as well. According to the Chinese sages, the dragon is said to have numerous supernatural virtues. In this sense, Confucius considered Laozi as the personification of the dragon, as a reconciliation of the contraries. In China, the dragon ensured the road towards immortality guaranteed by Soma, the divine drink of the gods. By riding dragons, immortals reach the heavens. With the help of a dragon, Hongzi was able to defeat the forces of evil. Also, with the help of a dragon, Emperor Yu the Great defeated the Universal Flood and restored order to the cosmos. As an imperial sign, the dragon is the symbol of the Sovereign of Earth. Cosmologically, the coming of spring, therefore the cycle and renewal of nature, takes place with the appearance of the dragon flying to the heavens as time of the spring equinox, and it disappears into the abyss in autumn. Astronomically, the head and tail of the dragon are knots of the moon, the place where eclipses happen. This is where tales of the dragon eating the lunar aster have appeared. The dragon is also an ambivalent symbol, being at the same time yang as a symbol of spring and rain, it is identified with solar animals such as the lion or the horse, as well as yin as a metamorphosed fish, it is identified with the serpent, therefore yang as a geomantic principle, and yin as an alchemical symbol representing mercury. Now there are some more practical symbols as well, in terms of what the dragon represents to the Chinese people and cultures. Historically, the Chinese dragon was associated with the Emperor of China and used a symbol to represent imperial power. The founder of the Han Dynasty, Liu Bang, claimed that he was conceived after his mother dreamt of a dragon. During the Tang Dynasty, emperors wore robes with dragons, as a motif and as an imperial symbol, and high officials might also be presented with dragon robes. In the Yuan Dynasty, the two-horned, five-clawed dragon was designated for use by the Son of Heaven, or Emperor only, while the four-clawed dragon was used by the princes and nobles. Similarly, during the Ming and Qin Dynasty, the five-clawed dragon was strictly reserved for use by the Emperor only. The dragon in the Qin Dynasty appeared on the first Chinese national flag. The dragon is sometimes used in the West as a national symbol for China, though such use is not commonly seen in the People's Republic of China or the Republic of China. Instead, it is generally used as a symbol of culture. In Hong Kong, the dragon was a component of the coat of arms under the British rule. It was later to become a feature of the design of Brand Hong Kong, a government promotional symbol. The Chinese dragon has a very different connotation to the European ones, as we discussed. In European cultures, the dragon is a fire-breathing creature with aggressive connotations, whereas the Chinese dragon is a spiritual and cultural symbol that represents prosperity and good luck, as well as 
a rain deity that fosters harmony. It was reported that the Chinese government decided against using the dragon as its official 2008 Summer Olympics mascot because of the aggressive connotations that dragons have outside of China and chose a more friendly symbol instead. Sometimes Chinese people use the term descendants of the dragon as a sign of ethnic identity as part of a trend started in the 1970s when different Asian nationalities were looking for animal symbols as representations. For example, the wolf may be used by the Mongols as it is considered to be their legendary ancestor. So what's the origin? How far back does this go? How long ago did the Chinese really start to worship and understand dragons as part of their culture? Well, the ancient Chinese self-identified as the gods of the dragon because the Chinese dragon is an imagined reptile that represents evolution from the ancestors and Qi energy. The presence of dragons within Chinese culture dates back several thousand years, with the discovery of a dragon statue dating back to the 5th millennium BC from the Yangshao culture in Henan in 1987, and jade badges of rank in coiled form have been excavated from the Hongshan culture circa 4700 to 2900 BC. Some of the earliest dragon artifacts are the pig dragon carvings from the Hongshan culture. The coiled dragon or snake form played an important role in early Chinese culture. The characters for dragon in the earliest Chinese writing have a similar coiled form as do later jade dragon amulets from the Shang period. The ancient Chinese referred to unearthed dinosaur bones as dragon bones and documented them as such. For example, Chang Ku in 300 BC documents the discovery of dragon bones in Shihuan. The modern Chinese term for dinosaur is written Kong Long, terror dragon, and villagers in central China have long unearthed fossilized dragon bones, quote unquote dragon bones, for use in traditional medicines, a practice that continues today. The binomial name for a variety of dinosaurs discovered in China, Mei Long in Chinese, means sleeping dragon. Fossilized remains of Mei Long have been found in China in a sleeping and coiled form, with the dinosaur nestling its snout beneath one of its forelimbs while encircling its tail around its entire body. Now, of course, over time, people started to associate dragons with mythical creatures. From its origins as totems or stylized depictions of natural creatures, the Chinese dragon evolved to become a mythical animal. The Han Dynasty scholar Wang Fu recorded Chinese myths that long dragons had nine anatomical resemblances. This is a quote from that documentation. The people paint the dragon's shape with a horse's head and a snake's tail. Further, there are expressions as three joints and nine resemblances of the dragon. To wit, from head to shoulder, from shoulder to breast, from breast to tail. These are the joints as to the nine resemblances. They are the following. His antlers resemble those of a stag, his head that of a camel, his eyes those of a demon, his neck that of a snake, his belly that of a clam, his scales those of a carp, his claws those of an eagle, his soles those of a tiger, his ears those of a cow. Upon his head he has a thing like a broad eminence, or a big lump. If a dragon has no lump, it cannot ascend to the sky. Further sources give variant lists of the nine animal resemblances. Sinologist Henry Doré lists these characteristics as an authentic dragon. Quote, the antlers of a deer, the head of a crocodile, a demon's eyes, 
the neck of a snake, a tortoise's viscera, a hawk's claws, the palms of a tiger, a cow's ears, and it hears through its horns, as its ears being deprived of all power of hearing. He notes that, quote, others state it has rabbit's eyes, a frog's belly, and carp's scales, unquote. The anatomy of the other legendary creatures, including the chimera and manticore, is similarly amalgamated from fierce animals. Chinese dragons were considered to be physically concise. Of the 117 scales, 81 are of the yang essence, which are positive, while 36 are of the yin essence, which are negative. Initially, the dragon was benevolent, wise, and just, but the Buddhists introduced the concept of malevolent influence among some dragons. Just as water destroys, they said, so can some dragons destroy via floods, tidal waves, and storms. They suggested that some of the worst floods were believed to have been the result of a mortal upsetting a dragon. Many pictures of the Chinese dragon show a flaming pearl under their chin or in their claws. The pearl is associated with spiritual energy, wisdom, prosperity, power, immortality, thunder, or the moon. Chinese art often depicts a pair of dragons chasing or fighting over the flaming pearl. Chinese dragons are occasionally depicted with bat-like wings growing out of the front limbs, but most do not have wings, as their ability to fly and control rain slash water is mystical and not seen as a result of their physical attributes. This description accords with the artistic depictions of the dragon down to the present day. The dragons have also acquired an almost unlimited range of supernatural powers. It is said to be able to disguise itself as a silkworm or become as large as our entire universe. It can fly amongst the clouds or hide in the water. It can form clouds, turn into water, can change color as an ability to blend in with their surroundings, as an effective form of camouflage, or glow in the dark. I would like to see one glow in the dark, please. My childhood dreams come true. In many other countries, folktales speak of the dragon having the attributes of the other 11 creatures of the zodiac. This includes the whiskers of a rat, the face and horns of the ox, the claws and teeth of the tiger, the belly of the rabbit, the body of the snake, the legs of the horse, the goatee of the goat, the wit of a monkey, the crest of a rooster, and the ears of a dog, as well as the snout of a pig. In some circles, it is considered bad luck to depict a dragon facing downwards, as it is seen as disrespectful to place a dragon in such a manner that it cannot ascend into the sky. Also, depictions of dragons in tattoos are prevalent as they are a symbol of strength and power, especially in criminal organizations where dragons hold a meaning of their own. Well, that brings us to the end of our look at dragons. Now, there is a ton more information that I could look at and go over, but this is already running on about 20 minutes now, so I don't want to go too long. I might do another cast on dragons in the future, but it won't be next week. Next week, I'll do something different, something else. Who knows? I don't know yet. That's a lie. I'm lying to you. I know exactly what I'm going to do next week, but I'm going to keep that secret until Friday, of course. So one last time, before I leave for the week, be sure to leave a review so you can be entered into the draw to win something. Something cool, anyway. Like a shirt or a print. If you do that on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please let me know and I will get back in touch with you and let you know if you've won or not. Other than that, don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. That's Horror Shots Plays, essentially. I play video games of the horror or horror-themed variety. I've got a really scary one coming up next week. It's kind of scared the crap out of me a couple of times already, so check that out. Subscribe, like, comment, all those things that 
make me feel better about myself. But until next week, 